It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself in a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 248 and welcome especially to a whole host of new listeners. It's funny, uh, some of the comments I get, it's saying this is a a little bit quirky or odd, whereas I tend to think this is quite normal, but that's what it is. Uh, We are a podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world and tries to make comment upon it from a Christian perspective, but we are open to all and especially open to your feedback and comments. Uh, there'll be some of those coming later. But one of the things that you often get accused of is being hateful. Now, hate speech. Of course, it's possible to be, be hateful, but sometimes it's good when you're accused of that to challenge someone and say, give us an example. And here is just an extraordinary interview that Elon Musk did with a BBC reporter, the BBC tech reporter. Um, in fact, you just got to listen to this. We have spoken to people who, who have been sacked that used to be in content moderation. And, and we've spoken to people very recently who were involved in moderation. And they just say they just, there's not enough people to police this stuff, particularly around, um, particularly around hate speech um, in the company. Do, is that but something that you want to address? What hate speech are you address? talking about? I mean, you use Twitter. Right. Do you see a rise in hate speech? I mean, I, I, just a personal anecdote. Like, what do, do you? I don't. Personally, my uh, for you, I would see I get I get more of that kind of content. Yeah, personally. But I, I'm not going to talk to talk to the rest of for, for the rest of Twitter. So you but see more hate speech personally. I would say I would see more hateful content in that in that content you don't like or or hateful. What do you mean to describe a hateful thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, just content that will solicit a, a reaction, something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist, those kinds of, those kinds of things. So you think if I'm, something is slightly sexist, it should be banned? I, n- no, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I'm saying... Well, I'm just curious. What you, I'm, tr- I'm trying to understand what you mean by hateful con- content. And I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and, if, and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me, you've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more. It, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's what I'm asking for examples. Can right. You, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't need, I, I, honestly, you I don't. You can't name I, a single example. I'll tell you why, because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore, because I, I just don't particularly like it. And actually, a lot, of people, a lot of people are quite similar. I, 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 only, well, well, I only look well, at my, on my following. You said you've seen more hateful content, but you can't name a single example, not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks. And I, well, I, then how did you see the hateful content? content? Because I've been, I've, been using, I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen the you, for you hateful content. And I'm asking for one example. Right. And you I, can't I, give us a single one. And, and, and I'm saying... I, then I, I say, sir, that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con- content, not even one tweet. And yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well... That's a false. No, what I claimed... You just lied. What, no, no, what I claimed was 
there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether whether it has on Give my feed or example. not, I mean, I, right, and Literally, you can, can look at something one. like the, the uh, Strategic Dialogue uh, Institute in the, U in the UK. They will say that. So you, they, Look, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right, and as, as I've already said, I don't use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know? Let, that I don't you, think this is getting anywhere. You literally said you experienced more hateful content and then couldn't name a single example. Right, and as I said, I, That's haven't, absurd. I, haven't, I haven't actually looked at that feed. I then would how would you know this weeks, content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We, have, we only have a certain amount of time. Um, well, now, I think that is just so revealing and it's so important because he hadn't seen one. See, what happens is people go by impression that they have and, oh, he had a report from someone but as must point out, you can get reports to say anything. And I think that is it is absolutely crucial for us to have evidence. Now that's that's key in our society. We have, our, our theme, I guess, for this week is hate speech and mis misinformation. How do we determine, determine what real information is? That's one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast is help people think through these things. Well, one way we definitely don't, this, this I was so shocked by this, I, I didn't want to believe it was true, but it is true. This is from the federal government in Australia. Uh, just a short thing about misinformation. People spread disinformation to influence the decisions you make. It's important to know their tactics. Some may intentionally ask questions to cast doubt on something without providing evidence. If you see something that makes you feel a strong emotional response, stop and consider why. Be mindful of people cherry-picking information, often leaving out context or the source. Authorised by the Electoral Commissioner, Canberra. Do you see what they're saying? This is all to do and tied in with the uh, referendum that's about to happen on what they call the voice. And what they're really saying is, don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. Asking questions to cast out. I ask questions all the time. I ask questions during COVID about masks, about vaccines, about China, about various people's reactions on all sides. You, I will say, always ask questions, but ask questions hoping to learn. Ask questions hoping to find out. Don't ask questions. Let me just give you one example. During the bushfires here in Australia about three years ago, somebody had written, half of Australia is burning. And I wrote and said, I, I know you're probably exaggerating, but this is a great exaggeration. It's like 0.1%. And she got really, really upset and said, no, it must be. I feel it. It must be. It must be. And cherry picking information is what lots of people do. Don't ask questions. Well, on this podcast, we encourage you to ask questions. All right, we do use a lot of music as well. And uh, here's an old song. Work all night on a drink of rum. Daylight come and you want to go home. banana till the morning come. Daylight come and you want to go home. Come, Mr. Tallinn. Daylight come and we won't go home. He said, 
Belafonte, one of the most groundbreaking black entertainers in history, and someone who was actually a very strong civil rights activist as well. He worked alongside Martin Luther King Jr. and he helped organize the March on Washington in 1963. Well, he's died age 96 of heart failure. Um, He's an important figure in culture, in the US culture, and therefore the rest of the world, because it was at a time when black faces were uh, less seen on screen, and he and Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, and so on, helped overcome all of that. And then someone else who died is this man. Little Sean Connery there the other night, <laughs> going on about his knighthood. He was, I've actually never seen Sean flounce before, but he did. <laughs> And wearing a kilt, you can flounce <laughs> After all, he's deserved one. Look at all the work he's done for Scottish independence, trying to get rid of the Queen. And how does she reward him? Not giving him a knighthood. It's now that's Dame Edna Everidge. Now again, it's it's incredible how people. Uh, sorry, that was Barry Humphreys' uh, character, Dame Edna Everidge. I I found him absolutely hilarious. I thought he was really really funny. Um, and it's funny, people, I've seen people on my Twitter feed saying things like, well, if you're, if you like Dame Edna Everidge, then you, you must be for transgender. No, this was a man who dressed up as a woman. He, he didn't say he was a woman. In fact, he got cancelled precisely for saying that transgender was wrong or uh, unnatural. The Melbourne International Comedy Festival, um, withdrew the, the Barry Award because of this. Um, the festival director, Susan Provan, just lied, says we've never cancelled Barry Humphreys. Yeah, sure, he, he didn't have him come, uh, ban him from coming and, and speaking at the festival because he wasn't there, but you did cancel him for that. And I think the, the tribute that you gave... Melbourne Comedy Festival is on just now, or it was last weekend, and you had an opportunity to pay a proper tribute, and you didn't. Why? Um, because he'd said that gender affirmation surgery was self-mutilation. It is. And being transgender is a fashion. It is. Interesting, isn't it? Well, before we have another look at uh, the cancel culture, um, I've been reading Bono's Surrender, so haven't played you 2 for a while. Here's Desire.
Now, one thing that some people do desire is, or don't desire rather, is for there to be any serious study into issues such as transgender. So there's an extraordinary story of Dr. Laura Favaro, who is a sociologist and who began to study at the University of London doing research in March 2020 at City, the University of London. And after she did an article for the magazine Times Education, Higher Education Supplement, which spoke of a culture of silencing and fear, and that's what she was saying, her research into what was whether people are being cancelled. She said, yes, there is a, a, a culture of silencing and fear. She was silenced. She it was told, forget it. She claims, those with a responsibility to support me have frustrated my ability to progress with the research or denied expected support via actions as well as omissions to act. This includes being ignored, ostracized, bullied, harassed, ending with a dismissal and confiscation of my data. So you see what happens. People go, oh, well, in universities, you see, they, they, um, they, they, there's been no peer-reviewed studies which show this. But when someone starts doing those kinds of studies, oh, no, you can't do that because it's back to the Australian government. It's how you feel. It makes me feel bad. Brendan O'Neill has a rather brilliant article in Spiked on trans intolerance, um, commenting on things like Posey Parker, Graham Linehan, um, the University of Melbourne professor Holly Lawford-Smith being subjected to a vile campaign of harassment, numerous examples in the United Kingdom of women being threatened with the sack and actually sacked and no platformed. By the way, can I just say, uh, I somebody sent me something saying, my list has been added to um, a hate list of transphobes, uh, people to watch out for. I've made it. Unbelievable. Just because you question. But what O'Neill does here is not just list some of the things that are going on, but he points out the harm of the trans ideology that the speech crimes of these women who are standing up for women's rights could cause more trans people to take their lives. The activists use exaggerated suicide stats to say that every wicked woman who says biology is real is dicing with trans death. And the trans youth charity Mermaids lied when they said that they were aware of cases of self-harm and even attempted suicide following J.K. Rowling's statements, implying that J.K. Rowling is a witch who's responsible for suicide. No. And then if you want this kind of exaggerated language, here's India Willoughby. Um, this is a bit of a Bob Geldof style video, really, just appealing for some help and support for Britain's trans community who currently face genocide. And I use that word very consciously and deliberately. And I know there'll be people watching this video thinking, India, stop being such a drama queen. Nobody's building camps. Nobody's having you lined up against a wall and shot. No, that isn't happening. But moves are afoot to legally make us not exist anymore. Um, and under the Geneva Convention, it says that if you make an environment such that a section of society can no longer exist, that is genocide. And that is undoubtedly what's happening here in the UK. 
So let me point out a few things to back that up. We currently have a government and, unbelievably, the official opposition saying that trans people should be banned from public areas. Why? To keep the, the rest of the public safe. We have a government seeking to change the Equality Act so that trans people legally no longer exist. They're rendered meaningless, no protections, no recognition, nothing. We have teachers being told in school to grass up trans pupils to their parents, even if that might be dangerous. We have teachers being told to single out trans girls. Sorry, Jenny, you can't play with your friends. You can't play netball. You've got to go and play with the boys. Just imagine that in the real world, in the context of a school. We have clinics being set up where the government have explicitly said, we do not want people who are sympathetic to trans people working in them. We only want skeptics. These new clinics are going to be soft conversion centres. And on top of that, yet again at the weekend, we have full-blown Nazis, Nazis turning out to support the gender critical movement, all supported by the government and Brit media. Please stand with us. Literally genocide, she says. Literally genocide. Legally eradicating. No, no. There's no genocide against trans people. There's an argument against a trans ideology where people insist that if they are born a man, and it now is very much being done this way, that if they are born a man, they can then change into a woman and become a woman. No, you can't. And that's not eradicating you. That's like saying, well... Um, just because I can't be Napoleon or I can't be a genius or I can't be a multi-billionaire just by saying I am, that you're eradicating me. But this is the kind of extremist language. And this is where language comes in because we're talking about hate crime and we're talking about uh, misinformation. Uh, here's an, just an extraordinary story. Well, I'll, tell, I'll introduce this with a, an, an old clip. Why is that? Why is it right to wear a Maoist T-shirt, but obviously wrong, as it is? to wear a Hitler t-shirt. I suppose some people will judge that on balance, Mao did more good than harm. We can't say that about the what? Nazis. What was the good Remind you me what the good bit was. serious, Well, though. well, it's funny, I just had this debate with my son. I wish this were in prime time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just had this debate with my son. I like he, all these lefty dictators. He, Mao killed sorry. tens of millions what, of people. Yeah, just tell me, what was the good that he did that made up for the 60 million people he murdered? He led his country from feudalism. He helped to defeat the Japanese. And he left his country on the verge... Well, he could have beaten the Japanese too. No, well, and he left his country on the verge of the, you know, the great economic success they're having now. We've always had to deal with dictators. That's Diane Abbott, um, a stalwart of the labour movement, one of the first uh, black, I think she probably was the first black uh, female labour MP to be elected. Um, unfortunately... She's never been a great example. She's very good at media at one level, but she makes so many mess-ups. And, and she's just been suspended uh, for a very serious thing. She wrote to uh, the newspapers, I think it was The Observer. She wrote to The Observer. And, well, I'll tell you what she said in a moment, but that phrase there, on balance, Mao did more good than harm, that shows the kind of thinking that's involved. I mean, no one wearing a Nazi t-shirt would get away with it, but wearing a Maoist t-shirt 
when Mao actually killed more people than Hitler. But on balance, Mao did more good than harm. But what she'd written was that uh, Irish, Jewish and traveller people could experience prejudice like redheads, but only, in effect, only black people can experience racism. It was a crass, crude and ignorant comment for which she was compelled to apologise, although it turns out that she'd sent the same letter in twice, uh, and, although she'd claimed it was just a draft. But, you know, drafts are usually what are your original first thoughts. Uh, the second one is what you think you can get away with. It's one of the dangers, by the way, of doing this podcast. As live, I don't do reruns. Um, and sometimes you may say things. You think, oh, I wish I hadn't said it that way. But one aspect of that letter that I did want to address, she said this, At the height of slavery, there were no white-seeming people manacled on the slave ships. There, That's so wrong. So wrong. Historians estimate that over a million Europeans were abducted and enslaved by North Africans between the 16th and 18th centuries, uh, uh, usually Arab slave traders. They took between, between 1530 and 1780 in a series of raids that depopulated coastal towns around the United Kingdom. Thousands of white Christians were seized every year to work as galley slaves, labourers and concubines for Muslim overlords in what is today Morocco, Tunisia, Algeria and Libya. The US historian Robert Davis calculated the total number captured uh, was about 1.2 million. That's just an example again of history and life being much more complex than the simplistic memes or the emotional feelings. We need to ask questions. We need to find out. All right, let me say something about a modern day slavery as far as I'm concerned. And that's here in Australia, in Queensland, hotels, if the Queensland Law Reform Commission get their way, hotels will not be allowed to turn away sex workers, i.e. prostitutes, and services could be advertised on television and radio under proposed reforms to decriminalize the industry in Queensland. It's not an industry. Interestingly, Amsterdam, is now going the opposite way, having seen the harm that their their tolerant, inverted commas, red light districts have done. There's a link here between the transgender stuff and the prostitution stuff, and it's simply women. It's an attack on women. Okay, um, let's, uh, well, uh, listen to this and then tell me who you think we're going to be talking about.
That's Alice Cooper. I want to be elected. It is, of course, President Biden saying he's going to stand again. And it looks as though the 2024 presidential election in the United States will be a rerun of Biden versus Trump. For which I have to say, that's one of the most depressing items of news that you, that you will get. Um, here's Biden earlier in this week talking about children. Rebecca put a teacher's creed into words when she said, there's no such thing as someone else's child. No such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children. There is no such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children. Wow. Wow. Really? You're really going there? There's no such thing as someone else. Yes, there is. My children do not belong to the state. They do not belong to you. The children belong, first of all, to parents. And as families, we may may be citizens of the state. But our children do not are not the property of the state. If you want to find out more about um, what we were saying about children, go to last week's podcast. Incidentally, I came across uh, this Matthew Goodwin, just a, a superb book I'm reading, and I just this is a quote I want to share with you. This tendency to see politics as a conveyor belt on which conservatives fall off and liberals stay on reflects how progressives see the world. Rather than see politics and human nature as what they are, unpredictable, chaotic, messy and volatile, the new elite believe they are on a linear path towards progress that history will only ever bend in their direction. I hear that so many times. Oh, well, when millennials vote or when this happens, you know, it's old people who voted for breakfast, breakfast, for Brexit. You know, it's, it's, they, they don't understand that it's, this is messy. This is messy. All of the issues I'm speaking about are messy as well. Uh, A couple of other items of news, just something that came out of Ukraine. And please do remember the ongoing war there and just the evil that's been brought about by Putin's invasion. But sometimes we try and sort things with simplistic ways and it doesn't work. So the EU had sought to help Ukraine export its harvest and ease this unprecedented global hunger crisis. But market forces, turbocharged by profiteering, have have meant that's been a disaster for Poland and Romania and Slovakia because their farms have been swamped, their markets have been swamped by Ukrainian grain. And what this has done, it's opened up an opening for far-right groups that favour Russia. It's generated serious friction within the European bloc. And it's causing severe harm. I think Hungary, Poland, Romania, Slovakia and Bulgaria have imposed tight restrictions with only Romania stopping short of an outright ban. Let's do some sport. Recognise this tune? That's the theme, the theme for snooker, the uh, World Championships. Used to love, actually. Lots of people love it. You'd think it's such a boring game, but they love watching it. Well, 
this is tied in with climate change or at least the climate change um, protests by what we are now calling the Ecotof. Some kid went into the World Championships, climbed upon the table and uh, put an orange dust or paint all over. Um, and how is that going to help? What does that actually do? And you know, when I saw it, I thought, oh, I'll bet you it's another one of these posh kids. And that, it turns out, that's the case. Um, a survey of the 6,000 Extinction Rebellion supporters who brought London to a hand standstill in April 2019 found they were overwhelmingly middle class and highly educated, or as I would like to say, highly indoctrinated. The guy who did this, the, the snooker, is a man called Edred Whittingham, 25, a philosophy, politics, and economics student, Exeter University. Yes, of course. Of course he is. He, um, he advertises on his website for one-off donations to crowd funds from £5 per month to £50. And you can sponsor him for level 2 aggravated trespass, level 3 criminal damage, and level 4 public nuisance conspiracy. He claims he's opposed to having children on moral grounds because there won't be a habitable planet for them to grow up into. I just, that's just so depressing. Mind you, it kind of fits with the whole setting. Um, I think the climate change and, and all the issues around that are really serious. But when you get this kind of stuff, it doesn't really help. I think my favourite account of this, again, I think it was O'Neill pointing this out that Emma Thompson, the actor Emma Thompson, flew first class from London, from LA to London to stand with the eco-warriors. When asked if she thought it might have been a tad more eco-friendly to fly economy, she went, I beep, don't. All right, another sport. Bangkok, oriental sitting in the city, don't know what the city is getting. The creme de la creme of the chess world in a show with everything but Yule Brynner. That's Murray Head's One Night in Bangkok. <laughs> Extraordinary this. In Kenya, a Kenyan, a 25-year-old Kenyan chess player decided to disguise himself as a woman so he could uh, compete in the country's female open chess tournament. His name is Stanley Omondi. Uh, he said he was ready to accept the consequences. Uh, we didn't have any suspicion at first because wearing a hijab is normal. But along the way, we noticed he won against very strong players and uh, we noticed the shoes were more masculine than feminine and we noticed that he wasn't talking. He acknowledged that he indeed is a man. He regrets what happened, apologised and said he was only doing that because he had financial difficulties. Well, there we go. Okay, one other thing. Um, in the UK, some of you, not all of you, so it didn't work for everybody, 
got this. I'm not quit. This is GBD's. Oh, there it is. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, the alarm. Oh, my God. What do we do? Help, help. Yes. Oh, my God, it's very loud. It is very loud, isn't it? Is it happening at your house as well? It's gone off. That's it. That's it. You have that every time for everyone when it's your time for your show. That is Nana Akua talking about the emergency signal that went off on Sunday at three o'clock. Well, folks, there is an emergency. The emergency is not climate change. The emergency is not nuclear war. The emergency is not whatever the government is going to say in COVID. The emergency is this, that there is a judgment day coming and we need to urge people to be ready for it. Christ is returning. I mentioned George Verver last week and he said the key to reaching people with the gospel is not evangelism at home or abroad, not serving others in the church or the community. All these things are important, but it is the changed heart of Christians. And if you are a Christian, we need to pray. All of us need to pray for our hearts to be changed because time is short. And so I'm going to leave you with this song, old song from Larry Norman, 1989. Life was filled with guns and war. I wish we'd all been ready. Life was filled with guns and war And everyone got trampled on the floor I wish we'd all been ready Children died, the days grew cold A piece of bread Thank you for listening. Thanks to all who've been in touch and who've provided uh, comments. And thanks to those who told me that Dr. John Campbell that we mentioned last week is a Christian. So that was lovely to hear. Uh, And thanks to those who've given me further information, some of which I've used in this one and some of which I'm not able to use and some I will use uh, next week or the week after. Keep that coming. Thanks to Peter for producing this, and if you'd like to support Quantum, then just go to the Podbean fundraiser. If you've got any questions or comments, please do get in ch- get in touch. All right, God bless you. See you next week. Bye. You've been left behind